Hello and welcome to Coach Rich Rants, real takes, raw feedback, unedited and unscripted views of what's happening in youth sports, in soccer, both in the U.S. and in my local community. I will be bringing to you different takes from the perspective of either a parent of an athlete, of a player, of a coach, or as a club director and administrator. Having worn every one of those hats, I'll try to bring to you these takes from each of those perspectives. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Feel free to subscribe. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Coach Rich Rants. I bring you back to the topic of the problem with the problem with USU soccer. And the topic today, and really one of the things I think is a challenge, even more so than the way that we are developing our youth soccer players, because I do believe that there are a lot of people that have the right idea about talent development and player development in the U.S., and I think we're coming very far. But I really think the bigger issue is that of talent identification at an early age. And I say that because if you think about the early age of talent development, primarily what I have seen, at least from my perspective, is if you're identifying players at 13 or 14 years old, Those kids that typically get identified are those kids that have developed um, physically earlier than their peers. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they are going to be better soccer players or develop into better soccer players. And so those kids that are late bloomers are often left completely out of the mix, and I'm not sure the answer to that. I think the bio-banding experiment with the U.S. Development Academy was pretty lackluster, if you ask me because I actually have a child who is a late bloomer himself who was in the U.S. Development Academy system whose club decided not to participate in that experiment for whatever reason, when they had a prime example of what could happen if you took advantage of that. And those aren't sour grapes at all. That's just I felt like there wasn't enough wood behind the arrow in that initiative, and we really don't know how effective that was, at least from what I've researched uh, about it. Uh, I'll also look at the different ways that you can get identified. So about 10 years ago or so, the Olympic Development Program, or also known as ODP, was a good environment to pull regional players together, select the best few players from the top clubs, or not the top clubs, but just the best few players from the local clubs, pull them together and train them and have them participate in events that allow them to get exposure by a regional staff and that could be for interregional and or international competition. But very quickly over the past 10 years, because of the rise of the Olympic Development Program, uh, the uh, Development Academy, U.S. Development Academy system for boys and now recently girls, as well as leagues like the ECNL League through U.S. Club, the identification has seemingly um, shifted because from an ODP perspective, the top players are going elsewhere. And therefore, even if there's a very talented player in the ODP environment, the players around them aren't as potentially good as maybe elsewhere. Therefore, they may not develop fully or completely because they aren't being pushed by other players like them. You add to that that there are different pathways to get there. I mentioned ODP. You, of course, have the Development Academy system that has national scouts who are evaluating players on a periodic basis. You have the ID2 program where several clubs participate in. And in a lot of cases, the clubs are responsible for identifying players and then putting players forward for review by a committee that selects players to participate in training events. 
whether it's on the U.S. national team system or on the ID2 system, there are multiple pathways, again, for that to happen. The challenge that you have, I believe, is that I haven't seen yet criteria for what the U.S. teams are looking for in terms of talent identification. And so when clubs are making those selections, are they really making a selection on what is the best potential player or what is the best player currently in their environment? And to that, I don't know because I'm not nominating players. I haven't nominated players. I haven't been in the minds of those people who do that. So you wonder if those kids that are going are, in fact, those ones that are the best players potentially for the U.S. to evaluate. I think also, and probably the bigger issue, is just the enormity of the size geographically of the United States. When you look at a country the size of Germany, which is effectively the size of Oregon, which is a state in the U.S., it's much easier to see a higher concentration of players and a smaller geographic footprint than it is in the United States. So there are players all over the United States that may be missed. There are athletes all over the United States that may not have the opportunity financially to participate in some of the higher-level clubs and leagues that participate in talent identification. And those kids, who knows what's happening to them and how far they're developing because they may not necessarily have the financial means to be placed in an environment that will allow them to develop, number one, and two, to be identified by those bodies that are looking for players that are next. And so I think the challenges around player identification are much bigger in the U.S. than they are in other countries. I think part of the reason that the U.S. national team system has had difficulty is that have we bet on the right players? What is our system of play? Based on our system of play and style of players that we look for, are we identifying those players early enough to develop them properly to be able to be comfortable in that system and or style of play? With the change of those people in those organizations who are doing that talent identification, what was coach or club director or player development executive may think is important for development may be completely different than another, and therefore the player and or athlete that gets selected to participate in these talent identification programs may be different from club to club, from region to region. Because I don't believe that we have standards, and not that we should have standards. Who knows? Because there are lots of different and unique types of players. But if we are looking for the physically gifted, taller, faster, stronger, and not necessarily the most agile, coordinated, potentially with a lot of creativity, really good soccer vision and decision-making. And, of course, when I say that, everybody is going to say, well, of course we want those things. But do we really? Are we finding those kids? Are we even able to recognize and identify those players who spend less time and energy moving after the ball because they're moving in space off the ball more effectively than those kids who have a quote-unquote high work rate in games and in training that is catches the eye and the enamor of those that are scouting those events. I know because I sat through multiple 
showcase events, both as a coach and as a parent. Listening to college coaches at the Division One level in a top, top um, college um, conference who were going on and on in a particular game about two particular players and their work rate. When, when I watched and evaluated that same game, I saw different players on both teams who seemingly were always in the right place at the right time and were able to play one and two touch soccer and move the ball on to the next level, whether it's breaking a line or finding a teammate that is a, in a supportive position. And I kept hearing these grad assistant coaches at a Division One level talk about work rate of two particular kids, one on each team, when I watched the game critically and realized that the reason the work rate was at such a high level was because they kept turning over the ball and they were working hard to win the ball back. I don't want to diminish work rate at all because it's very important. The ability to work hard and play hard and play tough and sustain that level of high energy through a game is important. But it's just as important or more so to be intelligent about the way you play and how you position yourself and move into space and identify the lanes to move into to receive a pass or identify the lanes to play the ball into for a player that is heading into that direction than it is to run around very quickly with high energy because you keep turning the ball over. That's just one example. So who knows what the criteria is or are for these players, but I do know this. Because of the multiple levels of leagues that you have, there is going to be a dilution of talent because it's going to be spread across a number of teams in a given age group and a number of clubs. Even regionally, you're going to see that there are so many clubs out there that the talent pool gets diluted diluted again, even further. There are clubs that have multiple teams per age group at multiple levels competing in multiple competitions. And in theory, having a broad pool to select from is really helpful. But again, that requires that the entire club that may have multiple teams and multiple age groups be on the same page in terms of talent development and player selection for their teams. And are those coaches on those teams really, truly looking to find the best players to develop together, or are they looking for the best players to help them win and advance to regional and or national level right now versus a year from now or two years from now? And I would argue that from firsthand experience from watching and participating, both as a coach and as a parent of an athlete, I see time and time again that players and coaches, or I'm sorry, coaches, and staff will select players for the current season, as in the current season is the most important season of that coach's career, rather than what is the most important thing for a player to do developmentally, where should they be placed and at what age, because there could be a player that is a late bloomer or late to soccer who's incredibly gifted from an athleticism perspective, and and let me get this clear one more time. When I I say the word athleticism, I do not mean size and speed and strength. I mean agility, coordination, balance, quickness, things like that. Gross motor skills that are just better than 
other kids. And that has nothing to do with size. It has purely to do with athleticism. But in the United States, we are so enamored with size and speed that we do not seem to see those players who are more athletically gifted than those that are big and those that are fast. Now, there are players that are big and fast that are also incredible athletes, don't get me wrong, and those players are clearly getting identified. But there are players, there are fewer players in that category than there are players potentially that are athletically gifted that aren't, don't have the size or stature, physical stature, and are being passed up by other players who right now potentially, based on their age, are a bit bigger, a bit faster, a bit stronger, and have an advantage over a smaller, more agile player because of pure physical stature. And so that's a challenge, I think, again. And where are we doing and what are we doing as a collective soccer development community for those players who are not necessarily the physical, have the physical stature at a certain age to really be identified or stand out because they are still behind from a maturity perspective uh, when we're talking physical maturity and development. And it happens both on the girls' and the boys' side. So I really believe that those players are left out. I believe that there are way too many clubs in a lot of geographic areas. I believe that there are way too many leagues, and there are far too many identification systems. And I do not believe, or I haven't seen yet, a standard for what is a profile of a player that we are looking for to develop so that we can compete internationally as a country. I have also not seen nearly enough staff members in the evaluation capacity to truly get out and effectively cover the volume of soccer players that are out there across the variety of leagues and through the variety of identification systems to truly have cohesion around who is and who are those players that should be identified to go to the next level to be developed. So what it happens at most of the time is that folks that have come through the system that have played at that top level have been critical of the U.S. system in terms of what we are doing with our players and how we are developing our players. But when you're in the environment of working with and developing players, there are multiple people, at least in my community, that are doing what they think is best and actually have a pretty good idea on what it takes to develop players. The challenge is that collectively, as a community, not all clubs feel the same way, and it's very difficult for the parent and the player to evaluate those clubs or those coaches or that staff in their communities that put their child in the best place for long-term development. And I see time and time again clubs on their marketing and in their media, on their websites, on social media, talking about long-term player development on paper, but in practice, it's about going to events and winning events, top events, so that you can then market those top events and how that team is doing in the top events to attract quality players 
so that you have the best players trying to come to your environment so that they can participate in those same top events and win those same trophies because those are the best teams in the age group. And those are the best teams in the age group, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those teams are made up of the best individuals in the age group. So that's my thought or my perspective today on the problem with the problem with youth soccer. I don't see a remedy anytime soon. I certainly don't have a remedy myself. I'm just ranting about this because it is an issue. It is a problem. I've seen it as a coach. I've seen it as a parent. I've seen it as a fan. I just think that we need to do better collectively about creating player development standards. We need to do better collectively about the identification process and systems. And we need to do better collectively at increasing potentially those people who are responsible for identification because of the enormity of the country. We need to do better collectively and not looking at how lucrative a particular league is or how attractive a particular event is and how much money can be made from those clubs and from those teams and from those families because we've got a showcase or premier event and we should limit the number of those types of events so that we can truly find places to bring the top players in and we're failing to do that I believe. So that's the rant today. Thank you for tuning in. I'd love to get your feedback. Again, I don't have an answer. I may start to research an answer, but right now this is just my my feelings on some of the things that I'm seeing that are holding U.S. soccer back, U.S. soccer back in international competition and why we've struggled to put together the right kinds of teams to be successful at the international stage. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening, and I hope you come back sometime soon. Take care.